You are listening to the Women of the Military podcast, where we share the stories of female service members and how the military touched their lives. I'm your host, military veteran, military spouse, and mom, Amanda Huffman. My goal is to find the heart of the story and uncover issues women face while serving in the military. If you want to be encouraged by the stories of military women and be inspired to change the world, keep tuned for this latest episode of Women of the Military. Alicia served for six years in the Iowa Army National Guard as a public affairs specialist. She deployed to Kosovo for a year and traveled to other countries for small exercises for brief periods. She spent 10 years as a print journalist. Six of those were with the Army. She is a fiction writer and her debut novel, Squared Away, released on July 2nd, 2019. It's the first novel in a series. Thank you for being here today, Alicia. I'm excited to hear your story. Thank you so much for having me, Amanda. It's great to come and be on your show. Let's dive in with why did you decide to join the military? I decided to join the military. It was June of 2001, and I felt like that everything I was looking at for my career um, as a journalist was you need experience, and in order to get experience, you need to have a job. So I felt at a young age that it was going to be very tricky for me to get that experience and also go to the university that I wanted to go to to study journalism and have the money to do that. At the time, you know, there was no war on terror. It was a different military. And so when I looked at the army as an opportunity to pay for college, it really made sense to me that I could, you know, kind of kill two birds with one stone. I could get my experience as a journalist at a young age, and I could get money for college. And with my family situation, you know, they always said you have to go to college, but there was no way to pay for it. So in that situation, the army really stepped in and it sounded like the perfect thing for me to get both things. So did you join in June or did you start looking into it in June? I actually joined two days after my 17th birthday. And so I, that was June. Um, and I, I had to ask my dad to sign the paper uh, in order for me to get in. And he did. Did you graduate high school when you were 17? I didn't. So well, technically I did, but I actually graduated the following year. So it was between my junior and senior year of high school that I joined the Army National Guard. So then whenever I went to, when I graduated, I was still 17 because I started when I was five years old. So I think if you do the math, I was 17 when I graduated. But at the time that I joined, I still had a year of high school left. I had braces on my teeth. I was still <laughs> in full high school mode when I joined. That's crazy. I didn't know that you could join that early. That's crazy. Yeah, it, it was something like for me and knowing at a young age, I wanted to do that. I, you know, me and a friend, we had a recruiter at our school and they were talking about like, well, you guys could join together. And so I thought, oh, that sounds like a great idea. You can be with your best friend and I'm sure we'll never be separated. But at the end of the day, like she just never showed up to the office. And so I, I did, and I felt like, I don't want to do this anymore. But the recruiter, he said, well, what do you like to do? And I was the editor of my high school newspaper. I was very good and had always been a writer. So it was really where my interests were. And so I said, what about a journalist? 
and he was like on his last kind of idea for me because at the time they actually had like these really dorky videos about what the jobs look like in the army so he pulled up this video of something that was like a radio operator and I was like uh I don't think I'm gonna be good at that I'm a creative and all those all those wires are gonna like you know confuse me so <laughs> he's he I was a very good student in high school so he looked at, he said, well, you'd have to pass the ASVAB at a certain level and you have to have an interview with the unit before they will accept you. And I said, let's do it. You know, like, let me try that because it actually sounded like a difficult profession to get in as a public affairs specialist. That's really interesting. Well, I was a senior when September 11th happened, so I know that we're the same age because I'm like, I, I couldn't imagine being a junior in high school and like already committing to the military. I wasn't, I wasn't there. <laughs> I remember when September 11th happened, I was in journal. I was actually in the news lab. That's what we called it. And so I was working on stuff for the paper and I saw they had a video in the newspaper part of the lab and it, they had like a TV. And so I was watching CNN when the planes like were going into the towers. And I remember thinking like I had just, joined the military like two months ago less than two months ago and I thought what did I just do you know and and I feel like it's important when people are like wow you're amazing for joining I have to say that when I joined I didn't know all that was coming and I don't know what my decision would have been um but for sure like anyone who joined after September 11th I always thank them a little bit more because they knew what they were getting into. And I, I just was very blind thinking like, I think the, the recruiter was like, you might get to go to Germany or something, but yeah. And I was like, cool. You know, right. <laughs> now September 11th, I embrace all my people like, oh my gosh, what has happened? So how did it work with you being still in high school? Did you go to boot camp after you graduated from high school or did you do that in the summer? I did it after I graduated high school okay. and yeah so then I graduated high school that first thing I did was go right to basic training like three days after. So what was it like to graduate from high school go straight to basic training and kind of start I mean working in the reserves right away or not reserves sorry National Guard. Yeah so because I was in for a year I did missions before I ever went to basic training. And so we, my first drill, you know, after September 11th was that weekend and we went to Fort McCoy, Wisconsin, and we were um, with the aviation group here from Iowa that was, they were shooting like 50 cows out the window. And I remember like, that was my, I was still, I didn't have the benefit of going to basic training. And I know people are like, wait, what? It's like, yeah. So I was, you can write a story. I could write a story and I'm sure they were like, she has no idea what she's doing. So for that kind of year prior to going to basic, I was really figuring it out for myself. And they had like a program at the Iowa Guard that would give you some guidance on how to get ready. And they would have these like specialists that would be pretending to be fake drill sergeants and all that. So I remember being like, oh, whatever. I just want to go to basic training. <laughs> but at the end of the day, like everything that the military teaches you in basic is, is so valuable. So I actually saw it from a different perspective because I needed that guidance. You need someone to tell you your hair needs to be in this regulation and you need someone to tell you that it's not okay to like 
be sloppy at all in their uniform. I mean, that um, discipline that's instilled in you in basic really carries you through. I did have an easier time of it because I didn't have like all of the drill sergeants like on me right away because I already knew what it was going to be like. I had mentally prepared for basic training for a year. I was ready for whatever they were going to throw at me at least the first day. (laughs) Yeah, that's a different perspective that I don't think very many people have. A lot of people look at basic training as this is horrible, but if you've already been in and you realize like how important all the things they teach you are, then it kind of changes your perspective. Absolutely, it does. I remember because of my job, I would I didn't know this, but one of the guys that I saw was a general, and I did not realize he was a general. He was in civilian clothing, and he was just grabbing something, but if I would have had the benefit of all of that knowledge, I think I would have, he was super nice, but I realized later that I had been talking to the general the whole time, <laughs> like, you know, so it's something where I I think it's such a mental game going to training like that, that for me, I was ready for it. I was like, okay, let me see what I got. Cause I've been bossed around by all these lower level people pretending to be drill sergeants. And I want to see what it's like, you know? So can you give me a little bit of an overview of what your six years in the guard were like? What were you doing? And so the benefit of being a public affairs specialist is that that's a skill set and a job that you can see yourself doing in the Uh, civilian world. So like I said, I had an interest because I was already writing stories for my high school newspaper. I knew I wanted like professional experience. Part of that was getting to use that job right away. So the training that I was sent to for my job was in Fort Meade, Maryland, and it was the Defense Information School. And so for, I think it was four or five months, I got to go through a program as a print journalist and learn how to be a professional photographer, writer, editor, you know, take college and condense it into a few months because you don't need math or science or any of that. You need the practical skills of being, of telling the army story. And I was there with all of the different branches. So we had Coasties and Air Force and Navy, and all of us were in the same class. And so it's in a academic setting during training. So all you're in school all day and then you get out and then you have a drill sergeant yelling at you to like do everything correctly. But a really wonderful experience for the training part. After, you know, basic training in South Carolina and after Fort Meade, Maryland, then even during all those times when I'm at home drilling in Iowa, Camp Dodge, I was writing the stories of different people and different units that were accomplishing things across the state. There would be times where, you know, if I was a pick a typical drill weekend, I might be in a helicopter with a general who was going to shake hands with people who are getting ready to get deployed. And we would do like 200 grip and grins in one setting, get on the helicopter, go to a different city and do the same thing. And it was a, a very humbling experience because you're around a lot of the top brass but you are you know telling the general or whoever like 
can you squeeze in a little bit more or try to like stand up a little straighter <laughs> because the photo is looking different, you know? So, so you're getting to do all the things that you would be as a, as a journalist in the civilian world, but now your intent is to showcase the army and all the good it's doing across the state and have those stories shared. So that's typical drill weekend. Um, during the, during my six years, I was deployed to Kosovo. And during that time, it was everything I had been doing at drill, but as a daily job. So we had a, you know, sort of an early start to the morning and your day to day is producing a magazine that 33 different nations will be looking at. And I worked on the Guardian magazine and I was able to be an editor and work on different articles at such a young age. I was 20 years old and I was doing something that in the civilian world, I may not be able to do till I was in my 40s or 50s. And that alone shows you that the army, you know, lets you drive, you know, right away in your career doing the things that you want to do. But during that time, you know, it was a, we were outside the wire. We did have our weapons, our M16s with ammunition. We had everything that you would, you would think would be on a deployment. I mean, it was, yes, I'm a, a journalist, but I'm a soldier first. So we got to tell an international soldier's story, not just the Iowa Guard. I mean, we were deployed with people from all over the world. And during that time, we got to really understand the allies that this country has and the way different militaries work and how, what their stories are. And just a really incredible experience. At such a young age for me, I felt like, you know, how do you top this? Because you, you're getting everything that you really set out to get. It's still tough being away from your family. It's very difficult to put everything into practice. But then once I got out of, came back from Kosovo, I had a couple more years of my first enlistment and it was back to going to drill and doing the job, but it wasn't your career anymore. It was being a college student. And I struggled. I just felt like that the last couple of years, I had been able to do so much that when you come back to, okay, specialist bill you're back to you know one story every couple of months and there really wasn't that velocity that I had when I was deployed in your career so there was other missions that we went on in different places but I really felt like that year in Kosovo was something I never could have imagined but it was exactly what I would have wanted to do and it, there's like there was you know, it, I always say that my Army career was the best time of my life, and it was the worst time of my life. It's the hardest, and then sometimes it just really, really clicked for me. Like, yes, you know, how do you top being in a helicopter with, like, the floor open and doing sling load training? It just felt like the right career for me, and to be able to do it, it was, it was incredible, so... Sounds like you had a really cool experience, and it's really neat that you knew so early on that you wanted to be in journalism and that you were able to get that experience that you can take with you. 
I know as a civil engineer, I got to do a lot of really cool projects that a lot of engineers never get to do because usually you get stuck in an office and you don't. So it's the military kind of gives you like a different way to like get involved, like you said, to go all in and to do all the things that you never really expected to do. Exactly. And I think it, so there's something that I've been trying to explain to people is that it, you are tested from the very beginning in training and things that you didn't think you were capable of, you watch someone else go ahead of you in line and, and do that thing that you don't think you can do. And so when you're tested, you know that like there's anyone that comes to you with their doubt about your abilities, you're not going to listen to them if you didn't have that experience because you know you're capable of really anything you set your mind to because you've repelled off a tower or you've stayed up all night and guarded something. You've, you know, taken apart your weapon and you've made sure everything was perfectly working or changed the oil on a Humvee. I mean, things that that seem simple, maybe to some people, would never have been my experience if I didn't join the army. By testing yourself at such a young age, you know, all these years later when people might think, oh, I, I, want, I don't think I can do that. I don't ever use that expression. I really don't. Because even if someone told me one of the hardest jobs, I would think, is there an SOP? Can I follow a procedure? How would I go about that? And it may be that I don't want to do something, but it doesn't, I never doubt my abilities to do something because the military instills that in you just by giving you all those opportunities to be tested. Yeah, that's a great takeaway because that's true. Like I did a lot of things that I never thought I could do that you don't really have a choice a lot of times in the military. It's like, you're going to do this. And it's like, I don't think I can, but you can. And I liked when you talked about, like, you watched someone else do it before you and you, like, relied on the, on the like, list of operating instructions that the military give you. So there's always a way to go forward and to get the job done. Absolutely. Did you face any struggles while serving in the military? You know, some of my struggles were ability to conform in certain things like you just mentioned that you know you don't really have a choice so I honestly think it was more internal where I was given okay go do this project and my personality is very strong I'm a debater so I love to just debate whether we should do that or not. I love to go through the pros and cons. Well, when you're a young soldier, there is no debate. You are doing it. And I, I know that there were certain times where I can go back and say, you know, there'd be like five men in a group and they're all looking at you and they're telling you what they think you should be doing, what you're doing wrong. I mean, just on and on and on for an hour more, you know, about how you need to do this and you need to do that. You get enough of that on like a 20 year old girl and she really understands like, oh, you know, this is hard. And how about like different moments when you are the only female and you're trying to just hold on to a semblance of being normal and there is no time for you to just sit back and reflect. You are on all the time. And for me, I think 
it wasn't necessarily a physical I was in Kosovo, so I wasn't deployed to Iraq or Afghanistan, where there there really is so much more of a violent day that's going to happen to you, where I didn't have any of those things. I'm quick to point that out. So I always say sometimes like the bureaucracy of everything, the hurry up and wait, because I was dealt, I was given, you know, an opportunity to serve in Kosovo, but I didn't get to choose that. It was chosen for me. So where somebody gets sent has nothing to do with them. It just has to do with what, where the military decides they need them to be at at that time. And so for me, I felt like my struggles, when I really look back, didn't have to do with, it was more me against this idea of individualism doesn't count. And you need to, in order to be effective, you have to be a member of a team. And that's the only thing that matters is taking care of the person next to you. And all of the things that you would, all the comforts that you would want, they don't exist, at least in the places that I was. And, and, and then you change. And I think that you learn that that's the, that's what makes you strong. That's what makes you close to the people you serve with. But the struggle I felt the biggest one was my own will and I did everything I was supposed to do, but just back on my own, I would always be worrying or wondering like how I was going to do it. I felt a lot of that insecurity that comes with not only being a young person, but also trying to figure out who you are. Why are you in this place and what are you doing? And, And you don't have a free will or free choice. And I think that's something that it sounds really simple, but it is a sacrifice to say that you're going to walk away from a life in the United States to go be uncomfortable for the majority of the time. You know, you're not in your area, you're not with your family, you're not with anything else, you know, you're building a new family and it's a different feeling. Yeah, that's true. So why did you decide to leave the military? So whenever I was 23, which is when I got out, and I had two years where I was inactive after that, but my active years, they came to me and they said that there was an ability for me to be promoted to sergeant if I re-enlisted. And I'd been waiting for that promotion for a couple of years at that point because they didn't have a slot. And I felt for me, like at that time, and I try to reflect back on why this 23-year-old made that decision, but I really did the pros and the cons. And when I joined the military, I wanted college money. I was a veteran at that point. I'd wanted to see the world, and I had at least part of it. And so I really made myself disciplined in that decision. And I said, did, when you enlisted, did you get what you, like, at, like you originally wanted out of this experience? And I did, but I also wanted to be tested in the civilian world because I felt like, you know, I've always had this crutch of the army being behind my name. So I was always going to be a published writer because the army would publish my stuff. And so my curiosity was, well, can you make it outside the military, this family, this group of people that have ensured your success, or you have a paycheck, or you have everything that as long as you do what you're supposed to be doing, you are you have that security blanket financially. And so I felt like if, unless you try it, unless you are out there, and I always felt like I could rejoin because at that point I was pretty young. So I think that's why those are the many reasons. 
And was it a hard transition? It sounds like you did a good job of making it a pro and con list. So you were like, you knew that you had done what you wanted, you got what you wanted from the military, and you were ready to move on. Yeah, it, in hindsight, it seems like it was, you know, a pros and cons list. But I do remember like really struggling with the decision because I wanted, I loved the people that I served with. And that was my family. And I had such a great group that I worked with that I had grown up with. I had braces on my teeth when I met the majority of them. And here I was six years later, you know, when you meet a teenager and then you meet someone that's graduating from college, those are very different people. And I wanted to, you know, use that experience that I had. But on the other hand, I wasn't going to be with the same people. And it was when I came, when we came back from Kosovo and I went to the University of Iowa and I was going to college, I didn't connect with a lot of people. The person that I met actually was from Bosnia and she had grown up in a war and was later adopted with her sisters as refugees. So I, I, that's who I was seeking out because I wasn't finding the same level of concern or just like the people that I would, was in college with, they were more concerned with like, oh, do I have the latest and greatest, you know, clothes or cars or phones or any of that. And I had just left the country where they had very little in some parts of it and they were, they were still making it. They were still living this life and they didn't have the latest of everything. And so I felt like a real identity crisis with who are the people back here that have no understanding of sacrifice but also like that my heart's back in a country where it wasn't even a country at the time and you feel so close to the your translators and the people you met and the people I took pictures of I mean I have thousands of pictures that I took in my career and I connected with each and every person so I, I really felt that struggle it was a very tough decision, but like I made my brain make the decision and not my heart because I love the people I was with. I love the experiences I had. And yes, they were difficult. Absolutely. But I try to now, like all these years later, just try to take the positive because I don't want to send something out into the universe that's super negative about anything that made me the person I am today. Yeah, I've heard from a lot of veterans that it's it's not easy to leave. Even when on paper, it's really like, like I liked where you said you used your heart, your head and not your heart, because I think that's kind of like where a lot of people get to. Like they do a pro and con list and like the pros are pretty short, but the cons are really long. But you're still like, I don't want to leave. And so that's that's a good way to explain it, to use your head and not your heart. Right. I feel like that no one ever really said this to me, but you know, you get the hard push from all your leadership to keep staying in, to keep enlisting, you know, because they're like, we invested a lot of money in you and you need to stay in. But I think when someone's ready, they're ready. And I, w I would just like to say to a lot of people who stay in or, or get out, like you've, you've given enough. Just make sure that you know, like it matches with your head and your heart, you know, like try to make that decision work for both because there's a lot of people who regret one way or the other. And I just, I want 
someone to say, you've given enough, but if you want to keep going, go for the right reasons, not because you feel like you're obligated. That's great advice. I want to talk a little bit about your book because I'm really curious to learn more about it. Can you tell us a little bit about what Squared Away is about? Absolutely. So Squared Away is about two battle buddies and one of them goes missing and they're out of the military. So they're kind of in different roles and jobs. But when the main character, Joelle McCoy, who lives in small town Missouri, finds out that her friend and battle buddy, um, Concepcion Chapa, is missing. She knows she has to go find her. There is nothing about her current situation that can prevent her from starting to look for Concepcion Chapa. It, it's, it's in her. I mean, if all of us think about who our battle buddies are, we know them by name. And if they made a call, I know all of the, the veterans on the phone would, would be there. So that's just the, the quick summary. Um, but it is a, a fictional novel. And so I, while I talk about the military experience sort of um, and through the thoughts of Joelle McCoy, you have a, you know, a mystery to solve and there's a romance and it's full of everything that you would want in a book. But the book for me was super important to show the relationship between why would two strangers go like why would she go to that level to understand and and then you know there's more to it but I think for most civilians they may have never heard the term battle buddy yeah I think it's interesting I recently read a fictional novel about women attending West Point and it was based on women's stories but it was fiction and the level of like detail and information to hear about their experience was really a cool way to do it because instead of it being like this is my story it was just fiction and it was it was really I learned a lot and it was really enjoyable to read so I think your book kind of sounds similar in nature of it being fiction and so it'll be a great story but then it'll have those little touchstone pieces of your military experiences. Absolutely that's perfect because you know, I, I'm a journalist, actually, mainly. And so what that means is you write nonfiction every single day when you write articles. Where I struggled with was I, I knew I wanted to tell the story, the Battle Buddy story, but I didn't know, I wasn't sure that my own story was going to be interesting enough. And I really wanted, if, if you're going to write nonfiction, be, be truthful and be accurate. For me, I wanted to take fiction to make this book accessible to everyone, whether they were in the military or not. And if I couldn't find a book where the details would ring true about, you know, with someone with an army background, then I had to write it myself. And when I started writing this book, actually 10 years ago, I felt that was my situation where I'm a reader first. I had, I'm going through all these novels like, wow, this guy's cool and this guy's great and this detective's awesome and this thing's happening. But where are the female soldiers that are in society that are just like amazing women? And I feel like if, if we could even just get some of those details to ring true, that it would resonate and it would be, we would be better for it. Because I feel like 
you know, the, the same thing that, that pushes women to join the army is the same, or even the military in general, is the same thing that's going to push them to do things like find their friend in a fictional story. And it's this sort of get up and go that you really, until you've met someone, I, I, I always feel like I love to surround myself with other female veterans because there's no doubt, not for one minute, that they're amazing. And, and so in that sense, I felt like I just would love to share that camaraderie and that relationship and that friendship and that 24 hour, you know, no stop relationship that you develop with people that you serve with in a fictional way without the limits of, well, that didn't happen to me. Well, it could happen to Joelle McCoy. And now we can make it a little bit more exciting and a plot twist and all the good things that make a novel worth it. Yeah, it sounds like a great book. I can't wait to get a copy to read it. I have one last question for you. What would you tell girls considering joining the military? So I would say, you know, a little bit of the same reasons that I would, you know, give advice about people getting out of the military. But ask yourself, what does success look like to you? So if you had to plan your day and you're, you want to work on something passionately, and you don't know how, like, what are the next steps to get there? You know, consider the military as a way to bridge that gap. Because if you go in, for me, if I would have explored every single angle of being a writer outside, maybe I wouldn't have liked it, but I had the opportunity to try it out in the military. And I actually love doing other things than writing. So like my little sister is a military police officer and she's also in the guard and she's also a high school teacher. So she gets to be two of the things that she really enjoys, a leader of people and um, a military police officer with all the discipline and rigor that that requires, but also get to go and be a high school history teacher for students. So it can be both. I would ask them to, you know, do your pros and cons list. It sounds a little bit repetitive, but ask yourself, like, do you have the ability to push yourself to go beyond something bigger than you and go serve in a capacity that has nothing to do with you? And at the end of that time, will you be better for it? And if you need college money, that's a huge boost for that. But make sure that you are in it for the right reasons because you're going to be asked and tested in ways that you don't understand. So you need to go always go back to that moment of why did I do this? And if those reasons are strong, then you will get through it no matter what. You know, when you're, when you're laying in the hallway trying to stay awake and on fire guard and you're like, well, why did I do this? You know, you're going to know like, okay, I got my college money. I got the ability to make my family very proud of me. Um, I love my country and I want to serve something beyond myself. And then you're covered and you'll stay awake and keep trying to make sure that you follow orders. That's great advice. Thank you so much for taking time to talk to me and share a little bit of your story. And if people want to find your book, um, where would the best place for them to go be? 
I would say anywhere that you kind of go today, it's on Amazon, it's on Barnes and Noble. Um, I really think it's a beautiful book to have a print edition, but you can get it. A lot of people think you have to have a Kindle or a Nook or something. You can download apps on your phone. So if you don't want to invest in any of that stuff, you can even download it wherever you spend your time reading stuff. So if that's your iPad or your phone or any of that. But again, you can also order it in bookstores. All of those things apply. My website has aliciadill.com. There's some options on that. And I'll put all the links in the show notes. I'll put it to your website and a link to Amazon just so that it's easy for people to find. And thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you so much, Amanda. Thank you for listening to this episode of Women of the Military. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any of the amazing stories I have with women who have served in our military. Did you love the show? Don't forget to leave a review. Finally, if you are a woman who has served or is currently serving in the military, please email me at airmentomom at gmail.com so I can set you up to be on a future episode of Women of the Military. 